guys. I'd better preach good after that, hadn't I? I'd better be good after all that. Well, thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just, and I always say this when I'm preaching, I, James 4, 8, says this, draw near to me, God says, and I'll draw near to you. So just, I'm just going to preach for 20 minutes, okay? And, but let, let's just lean in in that 20 minutes. And let's make it 20 minutes that changes our lives. And 20 minutes that through us, God can change the world. So come on, let's just draw near to God right now and we'll sense God's presence. So lift your hands to God or if you're comfortable, if not, that's all good, but just look away to God. Father, I wanna thank You for every person here this evening. No matter where we're at, no matter where we're from, no matter what our background is, God, I pray that You will touch us and meet us where we're at speak to us so that then you can speak through us in Jesus name we're open to your spirit God open our ears that we might hear wonderful things tonight from your word in Jesus name everybody said amen let's give Jesus another big hand Thank you. What do you, you just say hi to somebody as the musicians are, are leaving us? Thanks so much, guys. Doing great. Just say hi to a couple of people. Say, good to see you in church and all that other stuff. Right, here we go. Here we go. Well, it's exciting being in Silverwater. Yeah, I don't think I've been here for a while, but it's absolutely fantastic. I love coming out to Silverwater and I've had a whole bunch of things to do with many of the members of the church, and it's just a real pleasure to be here tonight. Just to let you know, by the way, Real Men's coming up. Now, I know we've already advertised it, but we've got Josh Kelsey coming. Now, Josh Kelsey is literally and figuratively a son of the house. He was actually the first baby born in C3. So Mark and Bernie join the church. Then Bernie gets pregnant, and she gives birth to Josh, and Josh is the first child born in our church. And since then, he's gone through college. He's done youth, young adults, all that sort of stuff. And then he's moved on and he's in New York City. I think they've got four campuses there and a couple of thousand people. They, and New York City can be a tough town. And Josh is doing a fantastic job there. He's going to be speaking. He's only a young man in his 30s. He's going to be speaking to the men of the house. I encourage every person, every guy, if you've got a, if you've got a, um, a Y chromosome... <laughs> Turn up. What's the why mean? Why am I doing this? I'm an idiot. That's a Y chromosome, but it's all good. If you've got a Y chromosome, register, just go on C3 Real Men Retreat and you'll follow the prompts. You can register. But listen, not only register yourself, why don't you, why don't you register for somebody else? Why don't you sponsor someone to come? We've got, um, we've got eight to 10 guys from Teen Challenge or T, uh, 180 TC and that's a drug rehab. And there's going to be a bunch of these young guys coming through. Actually, two of them are members of our church who are struggling. And you know what? They're on a journey with God. And so we're looking for people who can help sponsor them. And also some of uh, well, the wonderful people from our Maryland's location who are, many of whom are new Australians and refugees and just needing some, uh, someone to, to assist them to register. So if you can do that, come and see me at the conclusion of the service. Uh, that'll be fantastic. But anyway, let's preach the Word of God. Let's come around the Word of God. It's exciting. And I, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew this, this, this evening. And, and I'm going to be preaching from 
What has been voted? Now, they had this big survey and they said, what is the greatest speech in human history? And so they got all these people, these, um, these people from all over the world and they did this big survey on what's the greatest speech of all time. And there were university people and academics and all these, the usual, you know, hoi polloi. And, and the number three speech of all time was Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C., The second greatest speech of all time was Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, which, by the way, was between two and three minutes. It's absolutely amazing. But the number one speech in human history is what I'm going to be quoting from and referencing tonight. It's the words of Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived, who wasn't just a man, he was also God in the flesh of a man, fully divine and fully human. And of all the great speeches and discourses that he made that are recorded in the Gospels, this is the greatest of them all. It's Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount. And you know what? In fact, I reckon I'd, I'd like to read the whole thing, but I won't. So you can breathe a sigh of relief. I'd like to read the whole thing because I actually have read the Sermon on the Mount and I've timed myself reading it from memory. It was 14 and a half minutes. Isn't that amazing? So the greatest speech in human history was 14 and a half minutes. And I'm just gonna quote a little bit from Matthew chapter seven. And uh, Pastor Tammy was referencing this also this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter seven and verse one And Jesus is speaking this great sermon, this great discourse, and He says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. From the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother or to your husband, uh, let me take the speck out of your eye. I'm only kidding, sort of. Uh, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, actually next week we're talking about positive confrontation and dealing with, you know, just being able to talk. And so that's the second bit that we should we should be, listen, we should be, assisting one another. Does anybody need help here? Come on, give me some sugar. Does anybody need help? Or is it just me? We all have got issues in our lives. We all have blind spots. Is that right? We've got these blind spots and and we can't see them because it's a blind spot. Have you ever um, gone to change lanes and you've checked your rear vision mirror, your side mirror, and as you put them, beep, there's a, there's a car right there, but you can't see him because he's in your blind spot. 
So too in our own personal worlds, there are issues that I can't see. There's issues in my own life that I need to sort out. But so often the answer to life rhymes with life and it's wife. And so thank God my wife will always let me know if there's some issues that I can't see, which is awesome. We need each other. In fact, the first word of the Lord's Prayer is our. Everybody say our. Christianity and life was never designed to be like tennis, which is an individual sport. It's designed to be like rugby union, which is a team sport. However, you do need all 15 guys on the park if you want to win. But, but there you go. But Christianity is a team sport. Guys, we need each other. Turn to your neighbour and say, we need each other. We need each other. And we need each other to, to show, to, look, and to lovingly come alongside and say, hey, you know, come on. I've just been feeling this is an issue you need to address in your world. And, that's, and we'll be looking at that stuff next week, I think. Okay. But before we're qualified to do that, the issue begins with, with me. And it says it's not me, it's you. But actually, that's a bit of a joke. It's really the other way round. It's not you, it's me. I am the, I'm the issue here. And we need to be people who sort ourselves out before we can then begin to help other people and assist them on their journey. So let's get the beam out of our own eyes. Now, Proverbs chapter 32, verse 1. Um, I see Ash scrolling through his Bible, but unfortunately, Ash, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I've just made it up. Every time I come up with a good idea, every time I come up with the thoughts of Chairman Saundy, the thoughts of Chairman Saundy, uh, I, I just call it Proverbs 32 verse 1. And uh, this is Proverbs 32 verse 1, the Gospel according to, to Mark. <laughs> and it's this, the Gospel according to Mark, or Proverbs 32 verse 1 um, says this, there's only one person in the world you can control. And that person isn't my spouse. That person is myself. Everybody say myself. So, so we need to, you know, like I know there's a bunch of people and, and you know, you, you might be a bit of a control freak and you, you know, no, 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 hey, hang on. Don't worry about controlling anybody else. Let's make a commitment tonight that we're going to control ourselves. The only, there's only one person that you can control and that person is yourself. In fact, Galatians 5, to 23. Now that really isn't the Bible. Okay, I'm not making this up. And there's this incredible list of the fruit of the Spirit. And it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, meekness, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and then there's the last one, and it's self-control. Everybody say self-control. So actually, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Paul was writing to Timothy, and he says this, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
and love and self-control. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and self-control. And so we need to be people who are taking control of our own lives. And when I think about the fruit of the Spirit, I think, well, this is, it's not actually so much a description primarily, I don't think, of who we should be. I think the fruit of the Spirit is actually a description of who God is. And that you and I need to be people who are like God. After all, we're made in His image. And in fact, if you think of it, you think of, okay, what's God like? Well, actually, God was what Jesus was like because the Bible says that Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And then um, Hebrews 1, 3 says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. So what was Jesus like? What's God like? What's what Jesus was like? And I think what Jesus was like is the fruit of the Spirit, love. And by the way, for anybody who's a bit religious out there, joy. Hello. Get happy. Ash, I want you to get happy. <laughs> get ha- Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Self-control, that's what Jesus was like. That's what God's like. And that's what I need to be like. But for me to be like that, the, you know, I'm on a journey. I got saved on the 19th of October, 1976. How many people weren't even born on the 19th of October, 19? That's the bit, keep those hands up. That's the best response I've had in an older call in years. <laughs> That's the best response I've had in an older call. Ash, were you born? When were you born? Well, I didn't see your hand up. Get that hand up. Okay. So I got to, and I, look, I know you'll find this hard to believe. I know you think that I was born good. But I was born in a crossfire hurricane. I was born on dysfunction junction. I, I, was, I was a bad person. There was a whole bunch of things I was doing or that I wanted to do that I shouldn't have been doing. And then one day Jesus came into my life and I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I was actually at this meeting with and, and uh, Pastor Brian Houston's dad, Frank was preaching, and as he was preaching there, uh, I'm listening, and, and he has this altar call, and a whole bunch of people are going forward on this altar call. I'm, I'm, I'm there watching it, and suddenly this burning sensation starts in my stomach, and it started to move north and exploded in my head. And my wife will tell you, I've been having brain explosions ever since. <laughs> and it's fantastic. But you know what? It's an awesome thing. Uh, and, and, and then I started to go on this journey. Guys, we're on a journey. And may I say this to you, don't go on the journey alone. There's this great scripture in Isaiah 65, I think it might be verse 11 or something, but it says this, it says, the wine is found in the cluster of grapes. You know, when you've got one grape, you can't do a lot with it, can you? Really, I mean, what are you gonna do? But listen, when you get a whole, we've got any Greeks, have we got any Italians here tonight? We must have a bunch of, come on, yeah, we've got Italians in the front row. And, and you get the grapes and you, you just chuck them in the vat, a big pile of them. Then you, you wash your feet, you take your shoes off, take your wash, give your wash, feet a good wash. And then you leap into the vat and you're dancing around. And what do we get there? The wine starts to flow when there's a whole bunch of grapes. 
With one grape, you can't do much. But we need a whole bunch of us all together. And we need to be committed to doing life, not just me and God, it's me and thee, but I'm a bit worried about thee. No, we need to be committed to doing life with a whole group of people. A whole bunch of people just hanging out and, and having fun and enjoying it. I tell you what, Mate, let's, let's, you know, Jesus wants us to be baptised in water, not in lemon juice. He wants us to get happy. Get happy. Listen, Terence, I mean, whatever your name is, get happy. Patrick, whatever, who are you? you are. Get happy. That's an order. But you know what, but baby, and while we're on this journey, there's all these other people and they're, you know, and they're a real pain in the neck. And Christianity is good though, because it makes you, Hang out with people that you normally wouldn't choose to hang out with. But they're good for us. It's good to hang around with people of different backgrounds, different races. Isn't it fabulous to be surrounded? Look on the front row. What a fine bunch of people. We've got an Italian. Whereabouts are you from? No, get out of here. (laughs) Well, you are. (laughs) Sri Lanka. Nigeria, Nigeria. Aktong, yeah? Australia? Come on, where are you from? Greece, yeah. Awesome, and it's just, isn't it? It's just absolutely fantastic. The sound of heaven is not a bunch of white folks going hallelujah. No, no, no. The sound of heaven is the sound of heaven is millions upon millions upon millions of people from every nation under earth lifting their hands and worshiping God together. And can I say this, if we can't get it happening in church, how are we gonna expect for unity out there in the world? People need to come to church. They need to see people of all different backgrounds. God bless you. God loves every one of you. Doing life together and helping one another and, 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 and doing life together and, and, and supporting one another and, and at times having a bit of a blue with one another and just, you know, rebu- you know, and just saying, hey, come on, there's areas in your life you need to sort out, but let's just let's can stay on, the, on this journey together. Don't fight in your relationships. Fight for your relationships. Proverbs 32 verse one, look that one up. <laughs> Don't, that's what I say, don't fight in your relationships. So many, because I've been pastoring people, I've been marrying people, doing weddings, and I look through my wedding book, half of the people in church that I've done the wedding for are now divorced. Don't fight in your relationships, fight for them. Fight, don't fight with your brothers and sisters. Don't fight with them, fight for them. And go on a journey together, surrounded. You know what? Here we are. The Lord's my what? Shepherd. What does that make you? A New Zealander. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like the guy at the, at the, at when Jesus did his first miracle, where he turned the water into wine. And, 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 and the guy who was running the feast turned to the groomsman and said, he said, and he was a New Zealander, because he said, most people give the, 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 the good wine out first and then bring the junk out later when they've all had too much to drink. But you have saved the choice wine till, till last. And it, it, was, it was pretty choice, eh, hey, bro? It, it, was, it was pretty choice there, bro. So, so, but the Lord's my shepherd. That makes me a sheep. 
And, and sheep, I can tell you now, sheep don't have a lot going for them. I mean, you know, they've got sort of predators all around and Christians are sheep. Uh, they're not super fast. They're not like cheetahs. They can't run fast. They can't, they have not, eagle, have not like eagles. They can't sprout wings and fly off if they're attacked. They're not like squid. They can't sort of spray um, ink or, or they're not like Pepe Le Pew, the great, the great, um, what, what is he again? Uh, Skunky Samuels, oh my, my darling. Oh, oh, oh. And his own the Pippi Le Pew. And he, they, they can't, he can't squeeze this pooey stuff. He hasn't got like armour like a rhino. He hasn't got, they don't have big horns like bison or anything or sharp claws like lions or whatever. What a sheep have, the sheep only have two things going for them. Number one, the shepherd. And number two, each other. Each other. And if you're surrounded with other sheep, you're in a place of protection. Is that right? And it's like, you know, you say, by the way, anybody ever do any swimming in the ocean? And I'm paranoid about sharks, but I swim all the time. But I figure, though, if you're swimming in a group of people and a shark comes, you don't have to be the fastest swimmer. You just have to not be the slowest swimmer. That's my, that's Proverbs 32 verse three. You heard it first here from the love doctor. All right. You heard it first here from the love doctor. Okay. So we need each other. We need each other, but you know what? We've all got stuff going on in our world. Is that right? I've got, got a bunch of stuff going on I need to sort out. A bunch of stuff that needs to be sorted out in my world. And I'm, I'm, I'm 62 years old, but still rocking. Still rocking. But there's still stuff. I'm on this journey. And, and, and thank God I've got other people around me. I've got the Holy Ghost that's saying, Saundi, and I've got the Bible telling me, Saundi, lift your game. And then uh, there's other people around me who are helping me also. But God wants us not to be conformed to this world, but we're on a journey, a journey of transformation. Don't be conformed any longer, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change begins with you. 2 Corinthians 3, 8 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, everybody say transformed, into His likeness, becoming like Christ with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, it would be remiss of me today if I didn't quote the Old Testament. Because I lecture on Old Testament in college and I have a great old time and I, I want to take you just, just on self-analysis and being self-aware to the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, in Exodus, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 17, God, they're building this tabernacle and it's all a happening thing. And they've got this, the first thing you do, there's this, there's this big gate. Sorry, this big fence around the tabernacle in the wilderness, right? And this is where they're going to build the place where God's going to meet people and all that stuff. The priests are going to go in. And there's this big fence and there's a gate. There's only one gate. And that sort of speaks of, hey, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the gate. If anyone enters in by me, we'll be saved. And the first thing when you, when you get saved, you, you walk through this gate and there's this big altar with all these animals being sacrificed. That's like when you and I get saved. The first thing we see is Jesus on the cross, crucified for the sins of the world. And we go, oh, okay, right. And then we go, and then there's this, there's this 
tent, and that's got the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Great movie. Go home and watch it. It's awesome. But anyway, but on the way, and so as you're on this journey and you go past the, 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 this altar where all these animals are being sacrificed, and you're on your way to go into the presence of God, there's this big bronze bowl and it's filled with water. And this is what God said to Moses. He said, look, make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water on it. And here's the deal. This is what they used to do. So they've gone through the one way, the, the gate, the one gate, which we get saved, and we go to, the, and then we see the altar, and there's all the all the animals being killed, and that speaks of the blood of Christ. And then we're going on into the presence of God. But wait a minute, on the way, there's a bronze big basin, and Exodus 38 tells us this that it was made because the women from the the the, the camp they brought in all their bronze mirrors, and they melted these mirrors down, hundreds, maybe thousands of them. And then they recast it into this big bronze basin. And bronze speaks of judgment in the Old Testament. And the priests, before they went into the presence of God, they had to stop there and they had to wash their hands and their feet. And Jesus at the Last Supper, he's there and he says to Peter, I'm going to wash your hands and feet. Peter said, no, no, you you don't have to. I'm I'm not letting you wash me. He said, no, no. I've got to wash your hands and feet. Well, Peter, then Peter pendulum swings out the other way and says, okay, we'll wash everything that I've got. He says, no, no. He says, you're already clean. And, and the Bible says we're washed with the water of the Word of God. We've been cleansed by the, the washing of the Word of God and it's awesome. But in life, as we're walking on this great journey together, as we're doing life, our feet pick up a bit of dirt. As we're going through life, our hands get a little bit dirty because we're, we're, we're surrounded by an environment that's not conducive to Christian growth. You know, as we do life and there's this world and all the dictates and the temptations of it and all this stuff, we're surrounded by it. And so all of us need to come as we're entering into the presence of God for a time of self-reflection, of self-examination, and of self-cleansing. Like those priests, they went to the basin and it had like a saucer in the bottom and so they'd stand in it and they'd be washing their feet because it's just, we just, anybody here pick some dirt up as they're walking through life or is it just me or their hands touch, oh my gosh, what? And we've got to, and as they're washing their hands and their feet, they look, the kiss of death, muse those up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the kiss of death. They, they look, into the water of the basin and who do they see? They see themselves. They see themselves as they really are. And in that time of reflection, as they're washing themselves down because they're surrounded by an alien environment, just for a moment in time, they see themselves as they really are. And they stop, they pause, They wash their hands and their feet. And then they move on. And they enter the tabernacle and they worship God. My friends, tonight, in this few moments that we have left, let's go and look into the waters. Let's examine 
ourselves and say, God, I'm not perfect, but I'm on a journey. There's stuff that I've picked up, there's habits, there's thoughts in my mind, there's things, and I can't do it by myself. I need to take that beam out of my eye. I need to see myself as I really am. God, help me to be the person you've called me to be. Help me to display the fruit of the Spirit and to be like God Himself. Help me to be the person you've called me to be so I can do what you've called me to do. And I'm not saying stand there and navel gaze for the next five years. I'm saying for a few minutes on your journey, let's look at ourselves. Let's sort ourselves out before we move on into the presence of God and assist other people on their journey. And I want to, I just want two more minutes on a great scripture that's in the Bible. And it's here in Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. And in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is speaking. And he says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. The King James says, your old man which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new man or the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul's making reference here to a Roman penalty for murder. And if you murdered somebody, the body of the person you killed was tied to you. Guy, just come up here for a second. It was tied to your back. Like this. And you know what you'd do with this dead body that you'd killed? You had to walk around with this dead body until the dead body killed you. Because all the decay from the person that you'd killed would kill you. And there's an old man, 1976, I got rid of that old man, but you know what? It keeps coming back. And sometimes in my world, there's attitudes, there's ideas, there's thoughts that weigh me down and stop me from looking up and seeing God. And there's this burden that I'm carrying of old attitudes, old ideas, old habits, old thoughts, and I need to get rid of the old man. I need to kill it before it kills me. Because if you keep carrying it around, sooner or later, those old habits will come back and they'll get into your life and they'll kill you. And this evening, ladies and gentlemen, as I close, I want to say this. Let's put off the old self. Let's pause and see if there's any attitudes and ideas that we're carrying that we shouldn't be. And let's cleanse them. Let's remove the beam and let's move on.
on the great journey that God has for our lives. Can we just bow our heads in a word of prayer this evening? Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for each and every person here tonight that, Lord, as we're seeking you and as we're on this journey as imperfect human beings, that, God, we would pause right now in your presence. Lord, you would just point out and show us any areas in our life that we need to sort out. Any attitudes, any old habits, and God, any old thoughts. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we'd put it off, we'd wash it off, and we'd move on to be the person you've called us to be and do the things you've called us to do.